It's a great day to be in the house of God. I said, it's a great day to be in the house of God. I can't help but have a good time when I come to God's house. How about you? I mean, Dad, I don't know what we would do if we were one of those churches where you had to sit like you were cut out of wood. I like to laugh too much. I like to have a good time too much. It used to get me in trouble once in a while, and believe it or not, it still does. Amen? But when I found out we serve the God of all joy, I said the God of all joy. In fact, Jesus said, he said, I have come that your joy might be full. You know what happens when you get filled up on joy? Depression has to leave. Anxiety has to leave. Stress has to leave. You know what I found out? Even if I'm having the worst day in the world, if I can get myself to start laughing, oh man, it might take Dumb and Dumber or Christmas Vacation or whatever it takes, but if I can get my mouth open, begin to laugh, you know what I mean, a deep belly laugh, y'all know what I mean? Begin to laugh at something. It don't matter how wrong things are going or how bad things might look, there's something bubbles up on the inside of you. I said something bubbles up on the inside of you. And I remember it's that precious gift of God that he put down in there. Because the truth is, only true joy comes from God. I said, only true joy comes from God. I found out it's even a fruit of the Spirit. Now it says fruit of the Spirit, not fruits of the Spirit, amen? I've been in some meetings and the fruits of the Spirit were there, amen? So you all get that on the way home. Thank God for all of his children, the nuts, the flakes, and the fruits, amen? Marcia. No, but what I found out is, he gives you this precious gift of joy. And the Bible says it like this. That he, would, he has come that your joy might be full. But in his presence also, there's fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. So in other words, every time we get together, which is what this is, corporate worship. Every time we come to worship God, we're coming to celebrate God in his presence. Oh man. Headline news, church isn't about us. I know, I'm sorry to break it to you, but somebody's got to. Church isn't about us. It's not about our favorite song or, well, if they sing my favorite hymn from 1964, then maybe I'll lift a hand or maybe I'll open my mouth. I don't know. When we come to church, we come to encounter God. We come to meet with God. This isn't the Peckville Assembly of God as much as this is God's house. Oh, man. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. I'll wait for Thrive. They'll make some noise for me. We come to encounter God. We come to meet at God's house. This isn't a religious activity that we do. We come to encounter the one true living God. So therefore, in other words, when we come to this place, we should have an expectancy about us, a faith about us that believes God, that if I could just get to God's house, something's going to change. If I could just get to God's presence, something's going to change. But here's what I found out. You don't only have to come to God's presence, but we serve the God who put his presence on the inside of you. Oh boy, not all at once. I'll come over here by Tony and Debbie. Amen. I said, the God who literally comes and dwells within us, he puts his presence on the inside of us. You realize the one who spoke this thing into existence is living on the inside of you? Whew, wrap your head, I have to wrap my head around that every single day. The one who literally spoke this thing into being is dwelling on the inside of you and I. Let me ask you this, how much power does God have? Oh, come on, wake up on me. How much power does God have? Now, if God has all power and God lives on the inside of you, then what can defeat you in this life? I'll wait. I said, what can defeat you in this life? What manner of sickness and disease can take you out? What attack of the enemy can take you out? There's nothing the devil can do to you that God can't do something about. 
When you begin to realize, you begin to renew your mind and get away from the mind of the flesh, bring in the mind of the spirit and say, no, no, I have the mind of Christ. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I've been given the word of God. Come on, somebody. The Bible says, do you not know you're the temple of the living God? Do you not know the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you? May we be people that are godly minded, have the mind of Christ and say, wait a minute, there's no challenge that's going to take me out. Thanks be to God who causes me to have victory over every challenge. I'll never be defeated. I'm not going to go down. He said he'd take me from faith to faith, victory to victory, glory to glory. Come on, it's a good place to give God some praise. But the truth is, most people don't believe it. Ooh, don't shout me down. The truth is, most people, well, that's cute. You're a young guy. Someday you'll understand. You live a little longer. No, no, no. I've been through hell, but what I found out is if you go through hell, just keep going. You might get out before the devil realizes you're even there. Come on, somebody. What I found out is if you get filled up on faith, you get the word of God deep down on the inside of you. When you get bumped in life, it's no longer four-letter words that are coming flying out of your mouth. Faith becomes coming out of your mouth. You begin to speak to the mountain. You say, wait a minute. I will not be moved. I'll not be defeated. What am I going to do, Lord? How am I going to do it? I don't know, but having done all to stand, I'm going to stand firm. I don't know every attack of the enemy. He'll be defeated. Come on, somebody. Why? Because the Bible says he'd command his angels concerning you. The Bible says, though a thousand may fall at my right side and ten thousand my left, it will not harm me or my household. I don't know about you, but you have the word of God. You're empowered by the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. You have the mind of Christ. It's about time you elevate your faith and start believing what God says you are. What God says you are. The problem we have in the church is the same problem we have in the world. We have an identity problem. Whoa. I'm not talking their identity problem. I'm talking about our identity in Christ type of problem. Forget who our daddy is. Oh, boy. We were out to lunch Friday with, with, with a, a family. And we're sitting there, and I'm sitting here, and dad's sitting here, and they're sitting. And the mother says to me, and dad, she says, my God, when you guys are sitting next to each other, you look identical. I was insulted. He thought it was a compliment. Amen. <laughs> I said, the, the newer version is always better and improved. Come on, somebody. 2.0. I know I'm a character. Believe me. That's the nicest thing somebody said to me all day. God bless you, sis. Why? Because I resemble my dad. Oh, come on. Let me help you here a minute. Because if you put our pictures side by side from the time we were a baby, we look like twins. Except he had a mullet when he was my age. I'd have a mullet, but Carolyn would divorce me. Amen. I told her to get that long hair to cover up that red neck. Amen. Some of y'all get that on the way home. Why? Because he's my father. Because his genetic makeup is on the inside of me. Because I carry his DNA. I'm going to show you something in just a minute. Don't get upset with me. I'm just setting this thing up. In the church, we've got an identity problem, not the LGBTQ, XYZ, or whatever it is today. It's not so much a gender problem, it is an identity. We identify with things instead of identifying with Christ. We begin to identify with our problem and our situation instead of identifying with who our God is. Last I checked, the Bible says, little children, do you not know you are of God? And greater is he that's on the inside of me than anything that's in this world. The problem is we begin to identify with the doctor's report. I'm not anti-doctor. They fight the same demons of sickness and disease that we do. Amen? 
In fact, I thank God for our medical doctors and our medical workers, but I'm telling you is this, that you don't always have to believe the report when it's a negative report coming your way. I, I, I work like crazy lately to be able to keep away from negative people. Oh, I know that sounds rude and true, but it's true. Why? Because if I don't have people speaking negative to me, they can't drag me down. Last I checked, the Bible says, says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll cause you to ride above the high places of the earth. You know what I found out? We were flying that plane last week, Jim. We hit a little bit, there's a humid out. And it started getting a little bit like this in that little plane. He says, take it up another thousand feet. I said, yes, sir. We spin that thing, take it up another thousand feet. Why? Because the air is a little better up there. We just soar above the troubles. It's not, not negating the air was rough there. But he said, wait a minute, just, just pull that yoke back, spin that up a little bit, throttle. We'll take it up another thousand feet. Why? Because right stand, we take it up a little further, we get above the tough air. We get above the situations. It's not negating the fact that the tough air isn't there. It's not negating the fact the situation isn't there. What it's saying is, no, no, I can take a higher road. I can go above this thing. And what I find out is if I delight myself in the Lord, he'll cause me to ride above the high places of the earth where sickness and disease can't go, where trouble can't go, where lack can't come up to, because those are earthly problems, but you get up above the earthly problems. Why? Because who your God is. It's not so much because who you are, but it's who you're identifying with. It's who's living on the inside of you. It's believing that Jesus Jesus really paid it all rather than just singing about it. And I haven't even had any coffee, coffee, Red Bull, nothing yet today. So you can't even blame any of that, amen? Wait till Thrive later, we'll get them. Good to see you again. I'm gonna have a seat if that's okay. You, know, you might as well say okay because I'm gonna do it anyway, amen. And one of those guys, as the song says, you can go your own way. Look, here's what I'm telling you is, may we be people that put on the mind of Christ. I'm not telling you you're not going to have trouble in this world. Jesus said in this world you'd have trouble. Any preacher who tells you you're not going to have any trouble is a fool. Because Jesus said in this world you'd have trouble. But most Christians stop there with their theology. The latter half of that is Jesus says, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. And if he's overcome the world, that means you're going to overcome the world. Why? Because he lives on the inside of you. He already fought the battle for you. Because of his shed blood, when he said, it is finished, guess what? It once and for all defeated sin and death. It once and for all defeated sickness and disease. It once and for all defeated poverty and lack. When Jesus shed his blood, he, watch this, God did everything about the devil he's going to do. Me, people. Well, the devil's been riding my back all week. You must have the biggest back in Pennsylvania. <laughs> Can I tell you a joke? I'm going to do it anyway. We've got to pray for our friend Bob. He's been missing since Friday. Not good. What happened was Bob forgot it was his anniversary. Probably not too good, ladies. Amen? Any husbands, if your anniversary, this is your reminder notice from heaven. Amen. Bob forgot his anniversary. So his wife said to him, I won't tell you everything she said to him because we're in church, amen. But it ended with this. There better be something in the driveway tomorrow that goes zero to 200 in less than six seconds. And I mean it, it better be there or else, Buster. So she wakes up in the morning, sure enough, here's this big box in the driveway. Big old bow on the thing. She thought, I can't believe he actually listened for once. Ladies, amen? It's that selective hearing getting healed. 
She went out there, tore the bow off that thing, that box flew open. Guess what was sitting there? A bathroom scale. <laughs> Bob's been missing since Friday, amen? Come on, somebody. Say, that's funny. I don't care who you are. That is funny. You can't laugh at that. I'm telling you, you ought to do yourself a favor. You've been baptized in pickle juice. Amen? Now, husbands, if you're listening to me, don't ever pull a stunt like that or we'll give you a heck of a funeral. Amen? Somebody say, praise God. Turn over with me, if you would. I want to show you this quickly. Somebody say, quickly. Well, you said it in faith. We'll see. Psalm chapter 8. And Nathan, do me a favor, or whoever's back there. Uh... I have the ESV, but put it up in the NLT because I want to see how it says it there too, if that's all right. Because I want to show you something here. A conversation that's being had with God. You see, because prayer, prayer is one of the greatest tools we're given as a believer, amen? I said prayer is one of the greatest tools we're given as a believer, amen? And I'm not negating prayer, but what I'm saying this is sometimes if we're not careful, prayer could turn into we're just asking, asking, asking God for things. So I like something a little bit better. I like praise, amen? I like just thanking God for things. God, you've been so good to me. Oh, God, you've been so faithful. God, you've blessed me. God, when I look at my kids, you've been so good and gracious to me. You know, you begin to be thankful to God. And what I like better, a little bit better, about praise is the Bible says he'll inhabit the praises of his people. But then what I found out is this. There's a deeper level you can go with God where you go beyond praise. Oh, baby. And it's silent night, holy night in here, amen? You can go to a place of fellowship with God. Oh, man. You go to a place of fellowship with God where you begin to have communion with God. You begin to have conversation with God. Because let me ask you this, married folks, how many people are married in here? Now, how many people aren't married? Lift your hand. Look around. Boom, boom. No. <laughs> Hatch, match, and dispatch, Amen. If I, you're married and you have no conversation with your wife, what kind of marriage are you going to have? Right? Come on. Imagine you're just telling your wife what you need all the time. How's that one going to work out for you? One person. Come on. I know you guys are all like angel wing marriages in here. Husbands, you just don't talk to her. Just tell her everything you need all the time. Let me know how that's going to go. You'd be like Bob. You get hit with a frying pan. Amen. But then there's a different element when you begin to thank your wife for things. Yes? And then there's a third element, which is fellowship or communion, where you guys begin to have conversation and engage with each other. Last I checked, the church is still the bride of Christ. The difference between just asking all the time, there's a difference between that and then you move into a level of thanking, but there's a difference when you come into fellowship together. And I'm telling you, there comes a place where you can pray in the Holy Ghost and different things begin to happen. We begin to move to a place to have a fellowship with God where you speak to God and God speaks to you. I say begin to speak to God and God speaks to you. And it's a beautiful place to get to with God, but why does God do that? Why? Because God loves you so much. Because whether you realize this or not or believe it or not, you've been made in the image and the likeness of God. Last I checked, you were made in the image and likeness of God. You want to know why the devil hates you so much? Because you're able to do the very thing and you became the very thing he always wanted to be. Oh, man. Last I checked, the devil tried to be like God and he got his sorry tail thrown out of heaven. He was cursed his whole life. And then God makes man 
in his likeness and in his image. Now I'm going to tie this together. Don't chase me off with a pitchfork. We're sitting there at lunch. This lady said, and this family knows us well, but they said, I've never seen you sit so close side by side like that and seen how much similarities you guys have. Seeing how you guys almost look identical. Like I said, I was insulted. He was happy, amen? But why? Because his DNA is in me. Because he created me. Don't make me give a health lesson. Coach Case is in the back. <laughs> He'd help you all with some of that, amen? Because what's in him also lives in me. And it created me to be made like him. Now, I'm going to show you this in a second. This is a conversation with God. And I'll pick it up in Psalm chapter 8, I believe in verse 5, Nathan 4, something like that. In fact, let's go up to verse 3. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. Verse 4. What is man that you're mindful of him? What is man that you're mindful of him? What is the NLT says, what are mere mortals that you should think about them? Human beings that you should care for them. I believe the King James says, what is man you're mindful of him? The son of man that you visiteth with him. Now, I want to show you something. God not only cares so much about you that he made you and I in his likeness and image. You understand when God looks at you, he sees a reflection of himself. Ooh, I knew it would get quiet on that. I said, when God looks at you, he sees a reflection of himself. Why? Because he sees the shed blood of Jesus over your life. Why? Because he put his presence on the inside of you. God doesn't look at your failures. God doesn't look at your faults. God doesn't look at your shortcomings. I'm too fat. I'm too stupid. No, no. We make excuses and begin to speak the things out of our mouths that are lies about ourselves. when God says you're blessed. God says you're favored. God says you've been made in his image and in his likeness. God put his precious Holy Spirit about you. You think that, you know, well, I'm not worth that much. No, God thinks that you're so valuable. He'd become and live on the inside of you. I mean, see, the reason it gets quiet when you preach like this, because people don't really believe it. Because the truth is, at the end of the day, if people believe this stuff, there'd be no more suicide in the church. Depression wouldn't exist. When I preach stuff like this, I always get the most kickback. You know why? Because it's the Word of God and it's truth. Because when the Word of God goes forward, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 4.12, it'll even pierce through the joint and the marrow. It's a double-edged sword. When I preach stuff like this, people have a hard time believing it. You know why? Because they don't believe the Word of God for their life. You could lift your hands. You could say, I believe, I believe, I believe. You confess that till you're blue in the face. But until you start believing what the Word of God really says, until you start putting on the mind of Christ and start operating by this thing, sir, you don't believe nothing. Anybody can believe when the, when the sun's shining and everything's going fine. But when you have to start facing some stuff and standing some stuff in the face, having done all to stand, how are you going to stand? Stand firm. Stand firm. That's why he told Joshua over and over again. Joshua's making excuses. You know, they're crying at Moses' funeral. And the Lord says, get up. We've got work to do. 
What's he tell him? Be strong and courageous. I can't, I can't, I have a problem. I can never carry Moses' bags. I could not. You start making excuses for why you can't do the thing God's called you to do. When the truth is, the same God who created the heavens and the earth, come on somebody, the same one who flung this thing into existence lives on the inside of you and says, no, no, I've qualified you in Colossians chapter one. I'm the one who's called you. I'm the one who's strengthened in you. I'm the one who give you the ability to do it. Come on somebody. Somebody told me the other day, well, I'm just not smart enough. I said, you never read Psalm 119.99 where the Lord says he'll make you smarter than your teachers he's got a word for everything the truth is you and I don't know what that word is and the devil do anything he can to keep you from getting the word of God on your matter keep you from getting the word of God on your behalf but I'm telling you do a little digging in that word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit and you confess that word you hold on that word hear me your knees might be knocking together in fear you might be looking at death's door but here's what I know we serve a God who heals every disease we serve a God who can get you out of any trouble there's no mess he can't do something about come on somebody Well, am I telling the truth? How long ago did I come pray for you? Two and a half years ago? You're, I thought we were doing your funeral two and a half years ago. What are you doing still here? You laugh. I'm being serious. He was loaded with cancer. He was so weak. People think I make stuff up. Sitting right there. Skin and bones. Don't tell me what God can't do. Don't tell me what my God can't do. Why? Because God loves you. Because you've been made in his image and in his likeness. Well, now people believe because I can point somebody out. I can point all around the room to people. I've seen God turn their situation around, including my own. Don't tell me what God can't do. You're not waiting on God. God's waiting on you to believe him. God's waiting on you to believe this word. And hold on to that thing like a bulldog. Come on, somebody. Bulldogs have 2,000 pounds per square inch in their mouth when they bite down on something they don't let go. You bite down on that word of God. You hold on to that thing. You confess that thing. You might be looking all hell in the face. I'm telling you, you've got to take hell on with a squirt gun. You do what you got to do. If God called you to do it, come on, somebody. He'll bring you through that thing. He'll bring you out the better side. Come on. Stop making excuses for what you can't do and start confessing what you can do. Last I checked, the word says you can do how many things? A couple of us. How many things? Believe it or not, I have some degrees. I don't know how, but I think my parents paid them off. Here's what I found out. In the Greek, in the Hebrew, in the Aramaic, all still means all. All. Every bit of it. Now, how many things can you do? Why? Because Christ lives on the inside of you. What's holding you back? You. Oh boy. I preach like this to thrive. I get away with it, Coach Case. Here, I got a couple people who are going to skin me. The only thing holding you back in this life is you. The only person making excuses for you is you. Well, you don't know what everybody else did. God didn't call everybody else, God called you. I was born on the wrong side of a spoon. Baloney. I'm not a doctor, but I've never seen anybody born on a spoon. I was born on the wrong side of the tracks. Well, you're on the right side now. If Christ is your savior, you're on the best side of the tracks. Stop making excuses about where you were born and what's going wrong and how it didn't work out. That's the rear view mirror. You'll never move forward in life as long as you're living in the rear view mirror. It's time to start believing, no, the best is yet to come. Goodness and mercy are still following me all the days of my life. I have a God who loves me, who made me in his likeness and his image. Watch this, and if God lives in me, then sickness can't live in me. If God lives in me, then trouble has to flee. If God lives in me, then everything's working in my favor. Things are changing, things are turning. In fact, it begins to 
today in Jesus' name. Why? Because the God who lives on the inside of me. Come on, I'm doing this without caffeine. You give me a Red Bull, I'll be doing laps in this place. Amen. Go back to Psalm chapter 8 if you guys would. And I like how it said it in the NLT. King James says, Who is man your mind full of him? The son of man you visiteth with him. Let me show you this a minute. How many angels do you ever see God visiting with? Well, what do you mean angels are, are, are these high beings that God created? They're angels. I don't see God visiting any angels. But God visits with you. God visits with me. In fact, they ask God, who is man your mind full of him, the son of man that you visiteth with him? Do you realize the creators of the heavens and the earth wants to make an appointment to visit with you? Wrap your head around this, man. I have a hard time. I don't, I don't have this figured out. Don't, I'm not preaching this from a place of pride. I preach it myself when I'm preaching most of the time. But wrap your head around this for a minute. That God loved you so much, he made you in his image and in his likeness. That when God looks at you, he sees the shed blood of Jesus. He doesn't see failures. He doesn't see, well, I did this wrong. I lost that marriage. I've blown it. I did this. I screwed up. I should have did this better. No, God don't see all that. God sees the shed blood of Jesus on your behalf where it's paid in full tetelestai. But watch this. God sees a reflection now of himself. It's like dad has this Mustang we bought years ago. Right? And we bought this thing down by Philly and it was wrecked. It was mangled. Right? We took it to this guy down here, Matt Gray, and he pulled this thing and did this and put it on a frame rack and straightened it out and changed this. Watch this. It's a beautiful car today. You'd never know it was wrecked. Well, it's the same thing with you and I. We've been made in the image and the likeness of God, but because of sin, we were like that car that was in an accident. But God had the best body guy named Jesus Christ. Sir, you are a mangled mess, whether you want to believe it or not. Ma'am, well, the sir was worse. Amen. And Jesus, the same way Matt was able to iron that Mustang out for my dad and make that car perfect, run right down the road again, is the same thing Jesus did for you and I when he shed his blood on the cross. You realize, well, nobody's perfect. You're right. But Jesus lived a perfect and blameless life for you and I, that when God looks at us, he sees the perfect blood of Jesus on our behalf. Who is man? You're mindful of him. Son of man, you visiteth with him. And I love this because then God responds. Because I told you, there's a place of fellowship where you can speak to God and God speaks to you. Amen? I said, you can speak to God and God will speak to you. Psalm chapter 8, if you would, in the NLT back there. Verse 5, yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings. What do you have there? You have made them a little lower than God. Oh, I knew it would get quiet in here now. Do Do I think I'm God? No, I don't. Do I believe God lives in me? Absolutely. Do I think you're God, sir, ma'am? No, nobody gets the glory in this life but God. Oh, now we say something. But with that being said, God lives on the inside of you. And until you start believing in the one that lives on the inside of you, you'll never have victory in life. You'll continue to struggle and deal with stuff. Look, I couldn't have got that sick man off that bed. He was, he was so, okay, I say this. 
there was nothing left to him. It was either give him a funeral or give him a funeral. And we went in that room, right? Your brother-in-law sent me over there. He's a good guy, believe it or not. And it was an act of faith because faith always comes to a place where you must act. He swung those little legs over that bed and tried to walk, right? And bells and whistles started blowing off. I thought, oh, Jesus, they're going to get me in handcuffs once again. That was a joke. They didn't get it the first time. Amen. We believe God. And this very thing I'm teaching you, because watch, I couldn't heal a wing on a broken fly. Broken wing on a fly. But I have the one living on the inside of me that can just literally speak to cancer, and the cancer has to die. Don't believe it? Ask him. He's not the first time I've seen God. I've seen God heal thousands and thousands of people. Cancer, wheelchairs, blind eyes, deaf ears. You go right down the line. There's no sickness that Jesus can't heal. There's no... I, Look, when COVID-19 started, it was bad. I'm not negating there was a virus out there. Anybody tells there wasn't a virus, they're a fool. There was a virus, amen? I won't go into all that, whatever. But I'll tell you this. Am I telling the truth? I prayed for people on ventilators that come up off those ventilators. And if somebody, great, no, no, I know who I'm, I have believed. And I am fully persuaded he's going to do exactly what he said he's going to do. If the Bible says he heals us of every sickness and every disease, it don't matter if it's COVID-19, 20, Delta, Alpha, whatever they want to call it today, that God will heal it. It doesn't matter if it's cancer and you got like a day to live. God will strengthen your body. If you reach out and believe, God, God, I thank you you're mindful of me. God, I thank you you live on the inside. God, watch this. I thank you you visited with Wally while he was laying there and everybody else had a death sentence on his life. Who is man that you're mindful of him, the son of man? You come and visit it with him. If you're on your sick bed, God will visit you. If you're in your lowest point of life, God will visit you. Watch this. But if you're on the mountaintop, he'll visit you there too. What I find out is God just wants to visit with his people. God just wants to have fellowship with you. God just wants to come to a place in your life where he's Lord of your life. Come on, somebody. And he can do something for you. And while I'm on the vein of it, you can't have God without his benefits. Woo, baby. Because God travels with an entourage. He does. I'm not talking Rolls Royce or whatever else, which that's fine too. What I'm saying is God shows up, healing shows up. When God shows up, peace shows up. When God shows up, joy shows up. When God shows up, the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, the big 18, the 9 and 9, show up with Him, and it'll meet you at every point you'll ever need. That's why God has different names, like Jehovah Rapha, my God who heals me of every sickness and every disease. Jehovah Jireh, my God who provide. Come on, somebody. Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Elohim. It goes on and on about who God is. All you have in this life is that God has a different name for a different situation you're going through, but there's nothing, hear me, there's nothing the devil can do to you that God can't do something about nothing I said nothing so Wally got stronger amen stronger and stronger day by day and then I saw him a couple months later over the food pantry handing out food I said you missed your funeral Wally <laughs> that's not funny no no you're religious that is funny you know why and I'll tell you why. Because every time we laugh about something like that, it's like sticking a dagger right in the devil's gut. You thought you were going to kill this boy. You thought you were going to take him out. No, no, no. Ha, ha. 
ha, 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 ha. In fact, I told you before, if you just learn to get your joy up, there comes a place you begin to laugh at your enemies. The Bible says that God sits in the heavens and laughs at his enemies. I had somebody write me tell you, we shouldn't laugh at people. God laughs at people. God laughs at the devil on a daily basis. You thought you are going to take that my home. Ha, 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 ha. Why? Because your faith enters a labor of rest to a place of where your joy can kick in. You just believe it's a done deal. I don't have the time to get into it. The greatest measure of faith is entering into a labor of rest. Not taking a nap. It's, I believe so much it's done, I'm not going to be giving the thing a thought anymore. Woo. I believe so much it's working for me, it's already done deal, that I'm just going to take it easy now. I believe he's got it. He don't need me. Come on. Verse 5, you made him a little lower than God. You crowned them with glory and honor. Wait a minute, wrap your eyes on that. God has crowned you with glory and with honor. And you keep saying you're not good enough, you're not qualified enough, you're struggling, you're dead. No, 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 no. What did God say? This, let me ask this. Is this just as much the Bible as John 3, 16? Whatever, whatever other scripture you like, as the 23rd Psalm? Is this just as much the Word of God, the infallible Word of God, as any other piece of the Word of God? See, the, the problem is, Christians are okay with certain parts of the Bible, but in other stuff where it causes them to a place to elevate their faith, or causes them to a place of human responsibility, or causes them to go to a place of where, oh God, now i got to do something with this thing, they don't like it. But the truth is, if you're going to go to the place of God where he says you'd be head and shoulders above the rest, you'd be the head and never the tail above and only ever beneath. Watch this. In Deuteronomy 28, it causes you to have to have faith in stuff like this. Because what you believe is exactly what you'll receive. I said what you believe is exactly what you'll receive. You don't believe me? Go to work this week. People talk negativity, and all you'll see is negativity around them. That's all you'll see. It's Monday. It sucks. And they'll be miserable all day. Can I say that? <laughs> it's Tuesday. Oh, God. Now it's Wednesday. It's hump day. You guys notice, is this the truth? Come on, I said, is this the truth? And people walk around all week long. I just can't wait for the weekend. I can't wait for the weekend. They ruin five days of their life working for the weekend. Thank God it's the weekend. Oh, it's so much fun. Oh, they raised the price of beer in here again. Well, thank God it's the weekend. Come on, you're laughing because you know it's true. And people live their whole lives without any purpose. Oh, man. People live their whole lives without any purpose whatsoever. And the truth is, you and I, who are supposed to be born again, blood blot believers, have the hope of glory living on the inside of us. There's supposed to be something different about us. And Christians, if they're not careful, get sucked into the same baloney as everybody else. You get around the water cooler and their negativity gets on you and then you, this faith that I'm preaching in your spirit right now, if you'll grab on this thing, goes right out the door. Because the power of life and death is in the tongue, Proverbs 18, 21. You'll eat the fruit thereof. And if we're not careful, we get around people. I'm not telling you to not be around people. You know, me? Well, I won't tell you what I do. A little bit of cowboy in me yet. I blame my great-grandfather. Richard Clark, he was a cowboy. Some of y'all know him. He was definitely a cowboy. Amen. He's up in heaven. But he taught us you always work hard and you always give to God. He's the one who got me started on this faith thing when I was a kid. 
he babysit us, and now, now they're my friends. They're watching my friends on TV at the time. Little kid, that's all he'd have on. Guys like Brother Jesse and Brother Copeland, these guys. It started to seed deep down on the inside. When you get teaching like this your whole life, you grow up in a family. I didn't always get it right, believe me. I was hell on wheels, amen? I did a good job for the devil. I do a better job for God. People say, wow, you're a little extreme. I was a little extreme on the other side of the fence too, amen? Still maybe a little bit. Slap somebody around, we'll get that anointing going too, amen? Watch. But when you're taught this from the time you're a child, the Bible says in Romans 12, 3, to each has been given a measure of faith. Faith is measurable. You hear me? Faith is measurable. You know what I found out? I, start, I, went, back, I went back to the gym a few months ago. I've been out of the gym for a while. Rick, who'll be in the next service sitting behind Dad, he a big guy. Looks like Sylvester Stallone, amen? You know what I found out? I've got every one of the same exact muscles as he has. Different size. There's not one person in this room that doesn't have a different muscle than anybody else. But it's up to us what we do with them. So I find out, I go back to the gym, I start lifting some weights, and my muscles start growing. And not only my muscle in the midsection, the rest of me starts growing, amen? My family has a thing where the muscle right in here tends to grow more than the other ones. A lot faster. Anybody else have that in their family too? What I found out is faith works the same way. You put your faith to work, it'll work for you. You know what I found out? I get around some of this crowd, some of my friends. They possess what they confess. I said they possess what they confess. Why? Because they have a revelation of who their God is. That God cares so much about them. That God has made them in his image and his likeness. Watch this. And God has crowned them and crowned you and I with glory and with honor. Who is this God? That wants to crown his children, wants to bless his children in such a way. He says, wait a minute, I've already crowned you with glory. I've already crowned you with honor. You're not waiting on me. I'm waiting on you. God's already put purpose and destiny on the inside of you. God already has great plans for you, plans to prosper. You understand, you serve a good God who loves to give good gifts to his children. The Bible says he wouldn't withhold one good thing from those who walk uprightly. Why? Because he made you in his image and his likeness. And I like to think this is not, watch, I'm not teaching this as theology. This is my personal belief. I like to think that since the devil tried to be like God and he got thrown out of heaven, that God not only made us in his likeness and his image, but God's given us everything the devil ever wanted. Just to say, ha ha. Ha 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 ha. Because if he laughs at his enemies, I just have to believe that every time God looks at us, every time the devil looks at us, that God's laughing at the devil. I just have to believe that God personal belief, not teaching us theology, reminds the devil once in a while, remember when you tried to be like me? I made them like me. Come on. Remember when you tried to get some glory and get some honor? Oh yeah, I crowned them with that. Think about this. You wonder why the devil hates you so much? You wonder why hell fights you so much? Look, if you weren't doing anything, he wouldn't be doing anything to you. But the anointing provokes a response. When you push on hell, hell pushes back. But watch this. You think God isn't up there letting the devil know? That's my son. That's my daughter in whom I'm well pleased. 
I love them so much that I gave my son for them. I love them so much that I was willing to sow a seed because I believe so much in seed time and harvest that I sowed a seed named Jesus to reap a harvest of a bunch of children. In fact, the Bible says he was the firstborn amongst many brothers. That there's incorruptible seed living on the inside of you. Am I saying you're not going to fall or fail or everything? No, no, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is pick yourself back up. The Bible says, oh, the righteous fall, he gets up again. The Bible says the path of the righteous will shine brighter and brighter day by day. When do we start believing what the Word of God actually says? Because here's what I know. I believe time is coming to a close. I believe Jesus is coming soon. But what I really believe more than anything is God's waiting on us. I believe he's waiting on his church to start believing what he actually said and receiving what he said they could have so the end of time can close. I really do more than anything. Sometimes when I'm praying, I put a little pressure on him, believe it or not. I said, if you would, if Jesus wanted to come today, no pressure, but really I'm putting pressure on you. We're ready to go. That's arrogance. No, it's not. God laughs at me. Are you kidding me? Look at me. You think God don't laugh at this? Somebody says to me, oh, <laughs> you're not like anybody else I ever met, which is usually an insult. I say, you're right. I'm not. I am so unique. I'm such my own person. I had somebody one time tell me, I can't figure out what preacher you sound like. I said, I hope none of them. Amen. Why? Because God made us unique. God has a purpose and destiny for me. I don't want to sound like anybody else. I don't want to be anybody else. Believe it or not, I like me. Sometimes I even wave at myself in the mirror. Come on, somebody. No, I'm teasing. Look, you know what I found out a long time ago? Because you'll go through some stuff. Right, Mike? You go through some stuff in this life. You know what Dad taught me a long time ago? He said, Tyler, I like me and God likes me. They're the one with the problem. He might have been kidding. I took it to heart. Look, well, they're talking about me. Who cares? Well, so-and-so doesn't like me. Who cares? People don't like God. You think God cares? Look, I don't like the devil. Well, they're holding me back. Baloney, you're holding you back. You've been crowned with glory and with honor. I'll say as I begin to close. Amen? I don't know what happened to me. I haven't preached this service in a while. But ever since I started preaching at Thrive, I've lost some of my wind. My wind used to be longer. It's a little bit shorter than it used to be. Amen? I said, Lord, what is happening to me? Some of y'all just said, praise the Lord. Prayers are answered. Amen? <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Let me show you this. Verse 5, you made him a little lower than the heavenly beings. You crowned him with glory and with honor. Verse 6, you have given them dominion. Somebody say dominion. Ooh, baby. Over the works of your hands. What does it say in that version? You gave them charge over everything you made. I even like that better. Putting all things under what? Under what? Now watch this. Because God... Because you're a child of God, you made the image and likeness of God, God lives on the inside of you, you now have the authority of God. Amen. Brother Hagin used to teach it, the believer's authority is one of the greatest teachings in the modern day of the church. God bless his soul. Give him charge over everything you made. 
What was the first command of Scripture God gave us? Be fruitful, multiply, have dominion, subdue. Now think about that. Be fruitful, multiply, have dominion, subdue. You're giving them charge over everything you made. Now, I, don't get upset with me. I'm going to be straight with you. Did God create angels? I'm going to back off a little bit. Did God create angels? You realize there's angels on assignment for your life? Come on, how people believe there's angels on assignment for their life? The Bible says he's encamped his angels around you. Come on, somebody. I have a friend who was preaching in New York City some years ago, and he had a gangbanger, whatever they call him, come running up the front while he was preaching and pull a gun, Lou, just like that. And he stood right here. Everybody was obviously a little disheveled. And he fired that gun, six shooter, six shots, pow, 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 pow. And every one of those bullets looked like they just hit the floor. My friend's a bit of a cowboy. He jumped off the pulpit and chased the guy. This is my problem. I hang out with these people. They're preachers, but they're also cowboys. He chased that guy and chased that guy through Harlem. Y'all know where Harlem is? Nice part of New York City. Amen. The guy finally turns around, hits his knees and starts crying and says, don't hurt me, don't hurt me, don't hurt me. Wait a minute. You just shot at him and you're yelling for him not to hurt you? He probably going to kick his tail. He went on later to tell him and led the man to Christ. When he pulled that gun out and pulled the trigger, that two angels appeared on each side of him. About 40 foot tall, the man tells it, and put their wings down just like a shield in front of him. And every one of those bullets everybody saw that day got deflected. The reason the man hit his knees in fear was he said, when you're standing there, those two angels are still standing 